Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It must be time for Shortcuts with Knight's film guru, Dan Slevin. Dan, kia ora, how are you doing? Kia I'm very well, thank you. I just just want to apologise perhaps in advance that it's very warm here, which means all the windows and doors are open, which means there might be a little bit of traffic noise in the background as, uh, as the uh, we don't we don't have the um, the motorcycles racing up and down the beach right. here in Silverstream, but we do have some fairly noisy motorcycles going up and down the road. Uh, that, that, outside, so that went just apologising everybody in case that happens. That went in a slightly odd direction because I thought that you were going to say um, it's very hot here, and so I might sound odd. And that um, that that reminded me of the Simpsons quote: "You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel." <laughs> yeah, no, uh, not, the non sequitur. Not of this all. time, exactly. Non-sequitur. Yeah, the greatest of all. Um, hey, are you a gamer guy, Dan? Yeah, I'm a FIFA man yeah. myself. Right. Of course, it's changed name now. It's uh, called EAFC, but I, I, I can't get used to that name change. It's just FIFA. In fact, I was kind of hanging out for a little bit of FIFA time after I finished with you tonight. Oh, so, really? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, was that a wee prod? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's get to it, though. Um, let's talk about the movies that uh, you're going to be chatting about tonight. And first up is this film. I hadn't actually heard of this. Force of Nature. Right. Well, Force of Nature is in fact a sequel. The, the, in some places, the, the the full title of the film is Force of Nature: The Dry Two, and uh, some places are just have, calling it Force of Nature. Um, in the extensive research and preparation that I do for these segments, I realised uh, that I had reviewed the original film, The Dry back in January 2021 mm. on a show called Summer Times, which was hosted by you. Emil. Oh, my so, goodness. <laughs> look at that. Um, completing the I'm going to presume that I don't need to remind you. Uh, um, you you'll have it's, a full recall. Yeah, federal agent Aaron Falk. Is that right? That's the one. Yeah. 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 And in the first film, he uh, heads off to uh, a fairly remote little uh, mining town in Vic- the Victorian uh, wilderness that is uh, suffering a drought, and he solves a crime there. And in the second one, he's going to somewhere else that's in the remote uh, Victorian wilderness. But in this particular one, uh, it won't stop raining. It's He's in the um, much deeper bush rather than the dry of, uh, of the original film, hence the change of title, I would say. But once again, he's uh, solving a, uh, a mystery. Um, this one, the first film I, I enjoyed like a lot of people did. It was a really big hit. And uh, Eric Banner is... Uh, a film star we don't see enough of, I don't think. He he, he picks and chooses his project. Yeah. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with this particular version of The Dry because it sort of lost some of its lightness of touch. We've got a little bit of the trailer here, uh, and it will give you uh, an idea, I think, about all the various things that are going on in it. Alice? Alice? Thank God you're here. 
Are you okay? Daniel knows. Alice? Alice! Alice has been on her own for more than 30 hours. Why does she call you? A couple of feds out of their natural habitat. Daniel Bailey, you work with Alice? She's a very highly regarded member of our team. No mobile phones. You need a social media free weekend, ladies. You'll survive. Your mind starts to play tricks on you out there. Like you're being watched. Was Alice up to something? I think people make their own choices. Although we're not always clear of the consequences, are we, Alice? Sound like a chicken at the end there, Dan. Might be my my, my editing skills. Yeah, might Apologies. <laughs> no, not at all. I was, I was wondering whether maybe a chicken came through one of your open windows. <laughs> uh, back to back to the film. Yeah. And uh, there are you, that was a very crowded trailer, as you can imagine. Uh, there are, I think, three and a half really sort of quite dense plots in Force of Nature, which is probably one and a half too many. I think it, there's a lot going on with it. And uh, the character of Aaron Falk, played by uh, Eric Banner, is kind of overloaded with sort of psychological trauma as well as guilt. Uh, he's um, a federal agent in this what we would call this the, um, the serious fraud unit. And he's investigating a finance company that might be laundering money uh, for bad people around the world. And he's found a whistleblower. This is all before the film starts. He's found a whistleblower who's prepared to uh, give him a whole lot of evidence. Uh, but before she can do that, she's off on a corporate sort of tramping retreat with her colleagues and goes missing, which is um, bad news for him in mm. terms of building his case, but a very, very much more bad news for her, <laughs> I would have thought. Um, and so uh, Falk and his partner head off to the wilderness to basically insinuate themselves into the search and res rescue mission without necessarily letting on quite why it is there. there. Um, there's also, uh, like I said, some personal trauma of his own that he has to to deal with uh, that's, that is based in that particular location. And also there's the possibility that there's a 40-year-old serial killer cold case coming back to life mm -hmm. that's uh, all happening at the same time. So it's, it's, it's very dense. Uh, the biggest problem I had with it is that is, is actually Eric Banner himself this time around in that he's kind of morose mm -hmm. and... He, it's it's all a little bit sort of um, grim and one notey. Now I know that he's going to be interviewed by Jim Mora on Sunday morning, and I'll listen into that. And no doubt he will tell me all the reasons why I'm wrong about his performance. But I uh, just it just didn't feel that there was the lightness of touch that the first film had. You mentioned this film features the wilderness, and I'm curious as to because I I have to say I love movies that are set in Australia because because of that wilderness and the uniqueness of the landscape. Does that kind of you know in in some in like Mad Max for example or, or Rabbit Proof Fence, it's almost like a character within the movie. Is that the case here, or is it really just a you know your generic wilderness setting? Well, it's it sort of is. It's very different to what you would normally expect in terms of the uh, Australian outback. Yeah. It's it is a kind of rainforest um, setting, much more like a New Zealand bush setting. But it is uh, mountainous, and it is, of course, 
very remote and there's no cell phone coverage and and all the people uh, involved have to surrender their phones so there's no GPS. Um, it's interesting you talk about the Australian um, outback as a sort of character in in these films because I was asked by the BBC last year to write an article about um, horror movies set in the outback mm. and that was a really interesting one to research because basically since the early 1970s, uh, people have been sort of heading off into the into the desert to make their uh, low budget Australian horror movies, yeah. and there's been a, a lot of them. Yeah, Wolf Creek. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, shit, it shudders yeah, down yeah. my spine. Um, before we move on to your next movie, I wanted to ask you something, and I was reminded of this when you played that trailer. You know this trend of movie trailers featuring like. Um, uh, songs that have been sort of twisted and distorted and and had a big orchestra and percussion thuds sort of added into it like the matrix did it with white rabbit um uh, elvis's suspicious minds was was in one recently which which sort of prompted this thought i hate it what do you think of it i'm with you i think that uh i i i would love for us to go back to the days when a trailer was narrated by somebody with a very deep voice yeah. in a world say things like, in yeah. a world yeah. that's the one see see i think that we personally have lost uh, a great deal by this uh, this trend to to because often those those songs those tracks do not appear in the film yeah. they're just They've just been created for the purposes of the trailer and they're remixed for the purposes of the trailer. Uh, and what we find, Simon Morris, I know, will uh, testify to this, but when we're trying to find audio when we're making at the movies, often the only audio we can find to illustrate a, a particular film is the trailer. Mm. And it it always annoys me that we can't illustrate the film accurately, if mm. you know what yeah. I mean. Uh, so no, I think it's a, I think it's uh, not a great trend, but uh, not something that people like us have very much control over, unfortunately. Indeed, indeed. Well, I mean, maybe not now, but uh, you know, the fun- well, as the audience to shortcuts grows, I'm sure over time we will have more and more influence. Yeah, ex- <laughs> that's exactly right. All right, let's talk about uh, Moonstruck. Tell us about this, please. Cool. So uh, this has been a fairly quiet week for brand new releases. The cinemas have only got two new films in them uh, this weekend. And uh, there was a big rush sort of boxing day onwards of new releases in cinemas and on Netflix and on the streaming sites. So there wasn't actually that much that was new to talk about. And I'm always really happy to go back into uh, history and try and remind people of the great films of the past because uh, I kind of believe that um, yeah the best old films are still better than the best new films mm-hmm. that's kind of given so I was uh, a couple of weeks ago the great uh, American director Norman Jewison uh, passed away he was 97 years old and he uh, made some absolute classics in his time, including uh, Sidney Poitier in The Heat of the Night, uh, Steve McQueen in The Thomas Crown Affair, Mm. two musicals in a row, 1971, Fiddler on the Roof, and then Jesus Christ Superstar. So like a massive and very varied career. And by 1987, there wasn't very much that he couldn't do. And uh, he made a romantic comedy called Moonstruck. And uh, it's one of the most beloved films, I think, 
uh, of that era. Uh, it was not always very easy to find in the days of sort of VHS and DVD, but now uh, with streaming, I've found that it's usually available on one of the streaming services. It moves around a bit and it's just um, moved to Prime Video. So uh, I just wanted to let people know that it is there and uh, you, you might need to be reminded it's a vehicle for uh, the great actress, singer, Cher, mm -hmm. who plays an Italian-American widow called Loretta, who uh, is due to remarry to uh, re remarry uh, a character played by the great Danny Aiello. He has to head back to Sicily to look after his uh, ailing mother and asks her to visit his estranged brother, Ronnie, to make sure that he comes to the wedding. Let's hear this, this, this particular scene. Did you come for my brother, Johnny? Yeah. Why? Uh, well, well, we're going to get married. You're going to marry my brother, Johnny. Yeah, would you like to go someplace so we could talk? I have no life. Excuse me? I have no life. My brother, Johnny, took my life from me. I, I don't understand you. And now he's getting married. He has his... He's getting his, and he wants me to come. What is life? You know, I didn't come here to upset you. They say bread is life, and, and I bake bread, 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 <clears throat> and I sweat and shovel this stinking dough in and out of this hot hole in the wall, and, and I should be so happy. Huh, sweetie? You want me to come to the wedding of my brother Johnny? Where's my wedding? I love Nick Cage. That's all I have to say to this. I love Nick Cage. I think he's one of the most interesting actors in, in, in the world. Thank you for playing that. Uh, that was, yeah, that was Nicolas Cage in one of his most Nicolas Cage sort of performances, really. You get the impression that um, every take of that scene he would have done slightly differently that would have required a, a little bit of extra um, improvisation and he really is one of those wonderful actors who he sort of has no boundaries, mm. if you know what I mean. And uh, certainly there were some there were some very odd line readings in that <laughs> in that particular scene. But I love the fact that he he goes there. I was reminded of uh, an anecdote about another actor who had very few boundaries, and that's Marlon Brando. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he was at the Actors Studio in New York at training, uh, somebody said of of Brando is that he made he 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 made some terrible choices, acting choices, but they were all true. And you know that's the that's what I think Cage does as an actor is that he will give the director lots and lots of different options. Um, he probably doesn't do the same thing twice, uh, but it means that the director then has all of the elements that they can use to go and and make the film that they want, which is really what they want from a uh, from from an adventurous actor like him. What's your what What are your favourites? Um, I think my favourite. Well, I really like Raising Arizona. I think that's great, and that Nick Cage and, and the Coen Brothers just match made in heaven. But I think my favourite Nick Cage movie is probably um, Wild at Heart, um, the, the 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 David Lynch movie that he did. 
Um, but I, I just, I love it when you have actors who are just sort of really quite beautiful, um, maybe action movie-ish kind of, kind of people, and then throughout the course of their career and seeing how they talk in public and seeing the choices that they make, you find out that actually they're just total weird, weird little guys who are just real artist mentality types. Like I think um, Kyle MacLachlan kind of fits in that box as well a little bit and maybe Ethan Hawke as well. You know, they're like maybe not quite leading man energy, um, but but often cast as, as leading man in, in movies, but actually they're just super eccentric people. I'll tell you this, that I was in New Orleans last year for a wedding and... Nick Cage has a a crypt for himself in we in a graveyard that he that he's going to be um, buried in, and he bought it he bought it years ago, and apparently he just he goes back to New Orleans every few months and just sort of cleans up his his crypt and you know mows the lawns around it and and stuff like that. It's it's this great big pyramid in the middle of this graveyard, and it's just it's it feels so Nick Cage to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, far, far be it from me to turn this segment into the Coppola hour because last ah, last week it. we talked a lot about um, Sofia Coppola and her new film. But, of course, Nicolas Cage uh, was born Nicolas Coppola. He's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew, yeah, uh, Sofia Coppola's cousin. And uh, the very first film I ever reviewed back in 1986, this is uh, a bit of an admission, was the Francis Ford Coppola film Peggy Sue Got Married, right. which... Uh, Kathleen Turner is the star of, but uh, Nicolas Cage was in that. And I remember, like, he, he kind of stole almost every scene he was in. But I remember thinking how how weird his ears were. Mm. And, that, and, and from that moment on, whenever I've seen a new actor on screen, I always sort of check out their ears to see whether they're kind of normal <laughs> looking or looking. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to say to, uh, for those people who are Nicolas Cage fans, uh, his big breakout movie was 1983's Valley Girl. And that film is going to be played in several of the Film Society programs this year. Uh, there's a new 4K restoration of that film from 1983. And I know that uh, the Tauranga Film Society, Auckland, Westport, Whanganui, Dunedin, Wellington and Palmerston North all have it scheduled at various times during the year. So uh, this is, if you've been thinking about joining your local film society, maybe Valley Girl is the one that um, will push you, uh, tip you over the edge there. All of those film societies have great programs uh, and are definitely worth the membership. But if you go to nzfilmsociety.org.nz, uh, you'll see programs for all of the film societies around New Zealand. And hey, speaking of uh, romantic comedy movies, you modestly haven't mentioned this yet, but have, um, have some Valentine's Day themed picks going up on the RNZ website tomorrow. Yeah, I was I was very grateful to be asked uh, to 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 come up with a list of ten possible Valentine's Day movies, date movies, romantic movies, uh, and so I wrote that up this week, and it's going going to be posted to the RNZ website tomorrow. I understand, and uh, I'll give you a sneak preview of a couple of the titles there. Emily, which oh, yeah. is uh, from two thousand and one. Uh, I wanted to try and find films. You, you, that, Lots of romantic films actually end 
quite sadly mm. you know they're still deeply romantic but you know the 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 central couple don't stay together or they they have to be sort of kept apart by fate or whatever so i was trying to find or prioritize films that actually had genuine happy endings uh when harry met sally is streaming oh, on tvns i watched that a little that, while ago but, with 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 my with my partner and um and it was like I, I, for some reason, I kind of forgot what an absolutely magnificent screenwriter Nora Ephron is. It is just, it, it's it's writing of the very, very highest level, even independent from the fact that it's a wrong, you know, it's just superb movie writing, I think. Well, when I was um, looking, looking that one up, just to sort of remind myself of it, I noticed that although Nora Ephron has the, has the script credit on it, and I think that she... Uh, developed the sort of structure and the 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 the, the um, scaffolding of it. A lot of the dialogue there is actually sort of ripped off um, the kind of uh, riffing that Billy Crystal and the director Rob Reiner would yeah, do yeah. together. Uh, and so a lot of it's kind of improv-y. And uh, but it, the the chemistry between Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal is just off the charts. But I'm also very, very fond of their best friends, Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby, who provide yeah, the totally. sort of balance yeah. for the whole thing. Yeah. So that's screening uh, streaming now on TVNZ Plus. So uh, f- free of charge, just a few ads to watch there. Um, before we get to your final movie, a couple of listener questions for you, Dan. Uh, Loretta asks, can you please ask Dan what he thinks of the Thai spaghetti western Tears of the Black Tiger? Have you seen that? Nope, that's going on the list. It's going that on one, the list. I, I will make a note of that one, and um, I hope that that's relatively accessible through most streaming services. I, it's uh, not that easy to track down rare stuff nowadays, but um, yes, I will make a note to seek that out. Yeah, to paraphrase uh, When Harry Met Sally, you had me at Thai Spaghetti Western on that one. Um, someone else writes, uh, where is this text? The new Dune movie. Now, you won't have seen this because it's not out for a few weeks yet, but are you excited about it? Um, it's actually next week, I think, next Thursday. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, I, I, sort of, I sort of am. I, I, I do really love big spectacle films, and this particular version of Dune is, I think, the biggest spectaclist of them mm. at the moment. And, uh, yeah, and it's got a fantastic cast. Like it really, it, it, it's luminaries all the way down in it. So yes, I am very much looking forward to it. And in fact, I might, because my commitment to my craft is such, I might rewatch the first film before next Thursday, mm. uh, just to make sure that I'm up to speed with it all. Yeah, I have to say, I was actually a little bit not let down, but I didn't dig the first one that much. I'm hoping that the second one um, pushes my buttons in a different way. But anyway, um, your final movie, your free movie this week, is In This Corner of the World, and it's available on uh, an app called brolly.com.au. Yes, that's right. So it's a we- uh, it's a website, but it's also got all of the various apps that you need for Android and for iOS and for Apple TV, etc., etc. So it's a proper, um, you know, complete streaming service and it's organized by the company umbrella entertainment in australia who are kind of boutique film distributors and boutique dvd and physical media distributors and this is their first sort of uh, effort at getting into the streaming business and it's really remarkable that they've made all of these titles free 
um, you all you have to do is sign up and create an account. There's no they don't ask for your credit card or anything like that. And um, what I'm suspecting is that this is a kind of a soft launch, and that at some point they are going to ask for some money, uh, or they're going to start. Uh, running ads alongside things. So maybe now is the time to uh, discover Broly and get stuck into the um, all of the, the, the free stuff. It's very Australian-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of classic Australian films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, Umbrella are also, and this is what brings us to this particular title, have also been quite strong in the anime world. And in this corner of the world is uh, a big Japanese hit from 2016. Uh, uh, One of those anime films that's actually relatively serious as opposed to sort of magical or um, fantastical. And it's the, it's set in uh, a couple of small towns uh, that are near Hiroshima in Japan during the last couple of years of world war ii so you sort of know what's coming there's a shadow that haunts um, everybody in it but it's about a young girl who uh, uh, marries a a young military clerk uh, and goes to join his family and it's very much uh, about the ordinariness of japanese culture and japanese life and uh, the there was a lot of effort gone into the film to try and recreate the way Japanese society was before the uh, the, the bomb dropped on Hiroshima, uh, and it was so successful in Japan that they made a, an extended version. This one's just over two hours, but the extended version is nearly three hours long, which is still the longest animated film in history. Um, we've got a. I mean, we may not have time to actually play uh, a little bit of the clip. The one of the things I will say about the version that's on Broly is that there's no Japanese language version. This is the English dub, right. and I hate the English dubs of anime films. I, I find that they're just juvenile. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know a lot of people don't like reading subtitles. So for a lot of people, this will be the um, the, the the perfect thing. Um, is it to Broly... I was just going to ask, um, because one time in Japanese class, my teacher was like, let's watch a movie today. And he he was like, "Um, yeah, it's this really good movie. It's called Grave of the Fireflies. It's it's an anime movie, and it is the most depressing, heartbreaking movie of all time. And that's also about Japan during the war. It's not sad like that? Uh, Yes, a little bit. That's probably, it's, 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 it would be similar. Um, no, I mean, nothing is as sad as Grave of the Fireflies. Nothing. No, it's not. This is, it gets All right. Dan Sleven, uh, a joy as always to chat to you. Thank you very much for your movie recommendations today. (laughs) Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and Mopmaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.